Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of On Campus with Miss T. I'm your host, Miss T. I'm your co-host, David. And today we will be talking about a very sensitive, but also a very important subject. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and that subject is child sexual abuse. Is this strictly with teachers? No, it's in general. <laughs> um, it's pretty general, but it is about educating children on the subject. So, yeah, but it will be, I guess, a tough episode. So if for whatever reason, I guess you think it might not be an episode you want to listen to, <laughs> um, feel free to not listen to it. I guess basically it's like what, like a trigger warning, right? Like yeah. it could contain content that might trigger some type of emotion for you. So yeah, proceed with caution, I guess. <laughs> but before we get into that, I wanted to do our rewind, which we always do. And something that came up on my news feeds this week, I guess, um, was a video that Sandy Hook Promise released. I don't know if you heard of it. No. It was kind of all over. Like, everyone was talking about it because it was a very, like, sad type. It was like an advertisement, but it was, like, really sad, and it was very, like, real, you know? But um, we'll play the clip for you and for David because he hasn't seen it. And then we'll talk about it. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. <laughs> I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. So what did you think of the video? Um, yeah, it's a, I guess it was a good, I don't want to say a good, I don't know, good commercial, I guess, for what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't it crazy? And then I know your reaction while watching it was like, oh, this isn't part of the video, right? At the beginning? What do you mean? Like, when we were watching it, you said that. You were like, this isn't part of it, right? I meant, I didn't know we were going to record it live for them. I thought we were going to do other stuff and edit, but never mind. I told you before we started. <laughs> Anyways, but when I was watching it, I didn't know that it was going to be like that. It just looked like a regular advertisement for, like, back-to-school materials, like, from Walmart or, yeah. like, JCPenney or whatever. You get me? 
So when I was watching it, I was like, what's the big deal? Like, everyone was, like, talking about how it was so crazy and, like, like I don't know, sad and all this stuff. And so at the beginning, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it got crazy. And I liked how they did that where it was just, like, normal at first because at first when you think of back to school, that is what you think of, right? Yeah. And then you start it's like the reality hits almost like within the video as well as within your thought process which is pretty crazy but the people that released that video it's called sandy hook promise and the their information can be found on sandyhookpromise.org and basically what they do is they're not like a political group which i thought was pretty awesome not because there shouldn't be political groups but just because it's hard to make real progress on the political front at the moment, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you'd lose like one side if you lose like half the people if you if you're political. Well, it's not just that, but it's also like it's almost like everyone's at a stalemate, right? Because it's like, OK, right now the main thing is like gun rights, right? So it's like. Both of them are kind of just yelling at each other, but nothing's actually happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so this way, it's like they're still being proactive about it and they're still moving forward with it and like doing something about it. What are they doing? Without being political. So basically what they do is just educate people about school shootings. Like, if you're a parent, these are the signs to look for um, for your child or other children. If you're an educator, this is what to look for, right? If um, you're a student, this is what you can do or what to look for to, like, knowing the signs, right? Like it says at the end of the video, like, it's preventable if yeah. you know the signs. So, basically, it's just educating people on the, that subject so that hopefully in the future... Like, it'll help if it happens again. Yeah, they could prevent it. There's been a couple prevented already. I know that. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And it's nice to see kind of a different approach to that where it incorporates everyone. And yeah, it's not like... That is a good idea. Yeah. Look for signs or even just try to be... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Try to be nicer to students i guess each other yeah or also once you are already in that situation kind of giving tips and stuff on what to do right like even in the video it's like your sock can be used as like some kind of tourniquet, tourniquet yeah right or your sweater can be used to tie doors together so that the person can't get in to get you or whatever you know so yeah i thought it was really cool um if you want more information on that it's called sandyhookpromise.org but yeah anyways Moving on into the actual subject of our podcast today, child sexual abuse, right? So what is child sexual abuse to you? Molestation. Yeah. Um, pretty much it, right? Any form of it, just, I don't know. Molestation is just like touching, right? Yeah. Well, I guess, like, yeah, I guess it can be more than that. Like, uh, t 
texting, sending nudes, mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Yeah. What else? Well, the thing I think of, like that first comes to mind, is just rape, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that falls under molesting. Molesting, I think, is just touching. I don't think so. Isn't the term child molester? Doesn't you know, to them you just touch children? It's like you rape them, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's different. Maybe I don't know. We can Google it, I guess. But um, yeah, I did get the definition. Did I get the definition? It can be anything from like like you said, sexting or like um, sending nudes and stuff, or exposing a minor to pornography or taking pictures of a minor for your own sexual gratification it can be rape it can be touching um i guess anything like that but i thought it was kind of like important i guess to define it because well at least for me when i first think of child sexual abuse, my mind just kind of automatically goes to, like you said, rape or molestation, right? But there is a lot of other stuff that can go into it too. And I think knowing what that is and making sure that young people know what that is, is important. Because it's almost like that other article that we were talking about before when we did the Johnny's episode about tech, right? And it was that five-year-old kid that was sending naked pictures of himself to people, right? And it's like they they know how to send the pictures, I think the article said, but they don't know what it means. Okay, yeah. So knowing that that is a part of sexual abuse, I feel would be important, I guess. But yeah, so I wanted to kind of go into the subject at first just looking at clips of different things kind of for like examples if that makes any sense um and i feel like a lot of what's out there right now as far as child sexual abuse goes well first of all it's like all those politicians right like they're always kind of in the like and like famous people right like rich people that's been coming out of like like the Right. There's been like reports of all of them being connected to like child porn oh, yeah. stuff or whatever. Alex Jones said it first. So, yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. But also like Leaving Neverland recently, well, somewhat recently came out. Right. And that was a big deal. Some people are still like arguing about it because a lot of people don't believe it. Some people do believe it. Some people just don't see why it matters anymore, I guess, at this point, because Michael Jackson is dead, which I would say that it still really matters, (laughs) even though he's dead, because it's still a problem that would be prevalent amongst people that are alive, (laughs) right? Yeah. Even though he specifically is dead. But, um, yeah, so one of the clips is, 
it's one of the survivors like talking about his experience with Michael. Another one or from the from the documentary documentary, yeah. And it's titled Is Michael Jackson Innocent? Question mark. Leaving Neverland ending scene. And I remember getting really drunk. I was falling over. And he would put porn on like in the bathtub. He had these little TVs and you could watch you could watch porn wherever you wanted. <laughs> porn and candy. That was what he had it got more dirty sexual rather than like friends who were like touching each other that's probably because I was getting to be a teenager <laughs> like he wanted to do some anal he put his finger inside me and I didn't like it at all. Um, so he kind of backed off on that. I think I was just like kind of wincing and I was asking him not to do it, but he did it and he said, oh, you'll like it. But we continued with all the other stuff. He was preparing me over a long period of time for other kids to enter. So what did you think of that clip? Uh, just crazy, I don't know. Like, damn. NJ. Sick man. Yeah, what I kind of noticed, I guess, is just like, like the definition of child sexual abuse, right? Like, he introduced alcohol, and so the child was inebriated, right? Obviously, even if they're not intoxicated, they still aren't really in a place where they can make decisions like that because you're young, right? Yeah. But now even further, he's, not going to be able to really know what's going on. And then it's almost like he eases them in, right? So, like, he starts off with, like, like he said, like, friends touching each other or whatever and, like, pornography and stuff. And then as time goes on, it starts getting, like, worse. Yeah. And then he says, like, I didn't like it. But he said, like, like he did it anyways or whatever, and he said, you'll like it. Yeah. Right? So it's, like, obviously against his will, even if he's not, like, necessarily fighting it. You know? Yeah. Didn't he? Well, yeah. I think it got worse as he progressed with those kids, right? In the documentary, at least. Mm -hmm. So they say, like, it didn't start off with touching right away. Yeah, yeah. He, like, groomed him, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then I think maybe it's almost like he got braver 
Like yeah. as he saw that what he was doing was he pushed, yeah, he could push the limits more. Yeah, so. like he wasn't getting caught, he was getting away with it, so he could like be riskier, I guess. Yeah. As he, like you said, like as he went on with other kids after him, but yeah, so that's kind of just to illustrate, I guess, like an example of what child abuse can look like. And it doesn't really matter whether you believe this person or not for our purposes. Does that yeah. make sense? So even if you don't believe that Michael Jackson was guilty of these things, it's like I still wanted to show it because it still serves as an example of what child sexual abuse looks like. Right? Yeah, true. So the next clip, and I feel like... A lot of people, like, what age range do you picture when you think of child sexual abuse? Um, I guess if you're not uh, eight under 18. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people think of little, little kids. No, I would say under 18, like, yeah. I, I don't know. For Just me, by like, legal point, like, it's still, yeah. Like I, how, even, I don't know. <laughs> like how people talk like even that comment that we got on our instagram right where it was like um like what subjects i asked what subjects do you want to cover and someone said like how to bang your teacher right even like within that like perspective within people speaking in those types of terms i feel like a lot of people assume that child sexual abuse is for little kids and that teenagers kind of already know what's going on, so they yeah. can't be taken advantage of, or like they want it to, or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think it's 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 different. Like guy versus girl, it's looked at very differently. Like in society. Yeah. yeah. Like if it's a a female teacher versus a, like a little boy, or not a little boy, like a teenage boy, mm -hmm. as to a girl versus. Or not versus, but growing a male teacher. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's looked at differently, so it's like I don't know. Yeah, I get what you mean. It shouldn't be looked at differently. <laughs> yeah, and matter. it's like weird because even if, let's say, the teenager is consenting, or like they are into it, like they don't really understand it if that makes any sense yeah they don't yeah like in depth and it's very easy for i would say like a grown adult to like manipulate or like take advantage of some naive inexperienced kid and it can be very traumatic even if they are seemingly quote-unquote into it <laughs> right but yeah so I did want to kind of go into that side of it and another documentary that recently came out was Surviving R. Kelly and that was all underaged for the most part underaged um African-American females right yeah um so I did want to touch on that because that was teenagers like True. he yeah. would pick them like right when they were 
Like, they weren't too far off from 18. I, th- I don't know what the youngest was, but I know he, I it was like, like 14. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I want to say young. there was so gonna, yeah. 14 at least, but a lot of the times it was almost like he was not as crazy until he felt like he could keep them. You get me? Like, once they turned 18, it was like there was nothing that the parents could do if that person was choosing to to stay with him, then that's it. You know, they're technically an adult. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this is a clip. It's called uh, Surviving R. Kelly, Lisa Van Allen Speaks Out, Episode 2. And it's on the Lifetime YouTube channel. So let's watch the clip. I felt special. I actually thought that I was his girlfriend, you know. I was living up there at that point. We were together all the time. You know, I had no reason to question that we weren't. Life in the studio was kind of boring for the most part. You really couldn't have much interaction other than, uh, well, I couldn't have much interaction with anyone other than Robert. At that time, I didn't know what a runner was. But um, later on, I realized it was just, you know, the people that work at the studio, and they pretty much, pretty much like run errands. My mom would um, call the studio. The runners would actually let Robert know that I had a phone call, and then he would let them know to like, transfer their call to me. I do know that there were times where when she would get through and she'd be upset and saying, she couldn't contact me and things like that. So it very well could have been times where she was calling and they weren't allowed to put me through. One time, one of his friends came to the studio and he's speaking to everyone and just a normal reaction, you speak back. Um, Rob would get upset and say, you're not supposed to speak to them. You don't speak to anybody. You just look straight forward. If they speak to you, you don't say anything. Pretty early on, he kind of introduced you to everything that he was into. It was instructed to call him daddy during sex, but it went from that to pretty much all the time, he'd be daddy. The first time Robert had me do sexual acts with him and another female, he actually told me it was going to be his first time and he wanted to do it with me. He would say things like, um, well, you know, if you love me, you won't try to change me. You know, if you love me, you'll accept me how I am. You know, if you love me, you'll do these things for me. So those would be the little pep talks he would give me. Robert would film our sex acts sometimes. He would never ask me if um, it was okay to be filmed, but he never hit the camera or anything like that. Once we did the threesome, it became more frequent. Then he started introducing me to other young women. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. He's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this one has not faced as much like back and forth as Leaving uh, Neverland did. No, yeah. He's everyone's like, it's probably like <laughs> 80%, 90%. He's guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people think that R. Kelly is guilty of all of these things. Well, there's a lot of proof like that's, videos and the thing with MJ is I don't think there's a lot of 
proof. Yeah. And it's also something that's current. You know, with R. Kelly, it's something that's still going on right now. Yeah. Whereas with Michael Jackson, it's something that happened a long time ago. And yeah, he's dead. So he can't yeah. speak out about it or run away from court and look guilty. <laughs> right. But I'm sure he did it. There's a lot of yeah, evidence that points to it. Yeah, I think he did it, it too. But... Yeah, so in this video, I feel like it's, I mean, also within Leaving Neverland, but with the R. Kelly, I think just because they're older, right? They're teenagers. So it's, it's kind of just an example of like that manipulation. What do you mean? Oh, like, like how, how he's yeah. manipulating them and how even though they are teenagers, right, they are aware of what's going on. They have been taught right from wrong. They know more than, you know, a seven-year-old kid does. Still, they're being pretty easily manipulated by this guy, right? And even though they're uncomfortable in certain situations, they're not saying anything <laughs> yeah right they're just kind of going along with it or like i think a lot of it too is that when you are engaging in these types of activities with younger people like they don't know any better like they've never experienced a healthy relationship so when they experience an unhealthy relationship, it just kind of becomes normal to them, right? Like, oh, this is just how it's supposed to be, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it just depends on the person. That's all it comes down to, really. Because I, you, like, you can't do that with every girl. You know, some girls are like, nah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, and there is. I'm like sure specific people, things that they look for, but some people are more aware of it than others, or like I don't even know what's the word like more susceptible, street smart. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily street smart, or I don't know. It's just yeah, some people are more vulnerable to it than others, I guess. Like yeah, like, well that's what kind of the point of this episode, right? Yeah, is so that hopefully more people will not be so vulnerable to it or we'll encourage parents to talk to their kids about this stuff so that they're not as vulnerable to it yeah i, mean, I was trying to think like i don't know i never had talks like that i wonder like i don't know i know better i know what's like so i'm like i don't know what yeah i'm not sure yeah i had talks like that when I was a kid, kind of a lot because, you know, like I grew up in Pacoima, right? So it was like, even just when I was like second grade on the school bus, like that's probably the first time that I was ever like sexually harassed, I guess, was like second grade on the school bus coming home. You know, so it's like I was very young and I think my mom knew that like stuff like that would happen. So from really young, she was always telling me like your body is yours. Like no one else should be touching it. No one else should be looking at it like except for me 
and the doctor, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So I was kind of always like aware of that. But I think maybe like first grade was when I realized like the severity of it, I guess. Because up until then, I just always felt like I'm a little kid. You know, people don't do bad things to little kids. Like people like little kids. People are nice to little kids. People like treat little kids well. You know what I mean? And then when I was in elementary school, I would walk home with my sister and we would always get like catcalled or like people kind of following us or whatever, but it was usually directed at her. And so for the most part, I remember feeling like, like angry and protective of her. Yeah. But I figured like, I'm a kid. No one's going to look at me that way. You get me? Like, I don't have boobs. I don't have a butt. Like, <laughs> like I'm a child. Nobody's going to be sexually attracted to me. Right. And then one day it was directed at me. Like at that same age, right? First grade, walking home from school. And those things that they were yelling, like those gross things that they were yelling were directed at me. And that's the day that I was like, oh, shoot. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I'm not like safe from that either, I guess. Like, yeah, these sickos are sexually attracted to me, even though I'm a child. You know, so that's kind of like it was almost like a an epiphany, I guess, like a terrible (laughs) (laughs) epiphany where I realized that not everyone has that kind of respect for children, I guess. Because before it's like in the movies, it's always like, oh, save the women and children. Right. Or like like even if it's a stranger and there is a lost child, they go to help it. Right. But in reality, it's not like that. (laughs) And so that was the day that I realized that. And then I remember one time I was waiting for my mom at school, still like in first grade. And I had this like really weird neighbor kid. And I was waiting like by the gate and he like walked by and saw me and he was like, oh, come on, let's go. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm waiting for my mom. And he was like, oh, no, your mom told me to pick you up because she's not going to be here. Like, she's going to be late. So she told me to walk you home. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went with him. And then, like, maybe two or three blocks down, my mom pulls up. And she starts, like, yelling at me, right? Like, what are you doing? Por qué te fuiste? Like, no, I say so and blah, blah, blah. Like, get in the car. And I was like, okay. So I got in the car. And I was like, why are you mad? Like, he said that you told him to pick me up because you were going to be late. And she was like, yo no le dije eso. Like, I don't know what's wrong with that kid. Like, I didn't tell him that. Like, you shouldn't go with people even if you know them. Like, all this stuff, right? And that was another day where she had a talk with me where it was like, even if you know this person, even if you've met them before, even if I trust them, like, even if your parent trusts them, like, don't go with anybody Unless I've already told you ahead of time that you're supposed to go with that person. (laughs) Right? So I don't know what that kid was trying to do. But for whatever reason, he like lied to me and was walking home with me or whatever. But yeah, and I think my mom like talked to his mom or something that day. But 
yeah, it was really weird. And that was another epiphany where it was like, okay, even people that I know, people that I think I can trust, cannot be trusted. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, it's some people don't have experiences like that before that actual day where they meet an R. Kelly, right? <laughs> Does that make sense? So sometimes if it doesn't come up, parents don't bring it up. Yeah. Or like you don't fully understand it unless you've experienced it, kind of. Does that make sense? So I think it's kind of important to keep that in mind. Whether you're a teenager listening to this or you're a parent, make sure that you are bringing it up if it doesn't come up on its own. Because you never know when it's going to come up on its own. And by that time, it might be too late. <laughs> like, how, I don't know, how would you do like a yearly talk? I don't know. Well, we'll get into that. Because I found an article that helps. Okay. Like talk you through kind of how to make your child less vulnerable to sexual abuse. But yeah, before we get into that, there's another clip and it's also from um, Leaving Neverland. But I wanted to show kind of like the parent side of it because I know when I hear about these things, I'm always like, well, where were the parents? Right. Like, how did this child end up in Michael Jackson's bedroom <laughs> all alone? <laughs> right. And. A lot of it is like. Like, it's very strategic. Oh, yeah. On their part. Right. But it includes the family. It's not just the child that's being abused. Wait, what do you mean? Strategic on what part? Whose part? On Michael Jackson's part, on the abuser's yeah. part. So let's listen to the clip. It's just like the trailer for Leaving Neverland, but I want to focus on what the parent says, I guess. Everybody wanted to meet Michael or be with Michael. And then he likes you. I was seven years old. Michael asked, do you and the family want to come to Neverland? We drive in and forget about all your problems. You were in Neverland. It was a fantasy. The days were filled with magical childhood adventure experiences. Playing tag, watching movies, eating junk food, anything you could ever want as a child. It's like hanging out with a friend that's more your age. Just kid things. They were just doing kid things. He just came across as a loving, caring, kind soul. It was easy to believe that he was just that. Out of a storybook, right? Out of a fairy tale. Hello, Wade. Today is your birthday. So congratulations. I love you. Goodbye. There's no thoughts of this is wrong or anything like that. He told me if they ever found out what we were doing, he and I would go to jail for the rest of our lives. Secrets will eat you up. You feel so alone. I want to be able to speak the truth as loud as I had to speak the lie for so long.
I want to focus, like I said, on the what the parents said, right? So it wasn't just Michael Jackson inviting these kids over. It was him inviting the whole family over, right? And it wasn't just the kids that felt like it was this fantasy and it was like everything they'd ever dreamed of and blah, blah, blah. The parents felt that way too. Well, yeah, because he was probably like, you know, well, he flew him out there. They had like in the luxuries, all these luxuries that they normally don't have. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's all distractions for them. Yeah, it's... It's not just him manipulating the child, it's him manipulating the whole family, you know, like, and again, it's kind of like what I was saying with my story, like, you assume that if your mom and dad trust this person, that you can trust them too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think it's it's all strategic, right? Like, he gets these parents, these families to trust him trust him enough to leave him alone with their children, right? And then therefore it's like like a link where the parents by having that relationship with him give him that authority as well. And so the kids just automatically trust him and do what he says and I think that's also part of like like teachers engaging in that stuff with their students. It's like you're an authority figure. You get me? Just like, like in general, right? They're already viewing you as an authority figure where they're supposed to do what you say. Yeah. So it's like already just that off the start, right? It's it's already an unbalanced, unhealthy like thing. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so I just kind of wanted to show like how the parents could be manipulated and blinded and fooled and, you know, distracted, like you said, by all of these other things, um, just as much as the children could be. So if you're a parent, I guess, try not to <laughs> be, be distracted dumb. by that stuff. Don't be dumb. And then I felt like he... he probably picked specific families, right? Like that were going through a hard time, that needed money, that needed to feel wanted or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know if those families were like poor. I don't think they were poor. Like, I don't know that they were poor, but none of them were like rich or well off either. I think they were probably like middle class. I don't think they were poor. Yeah, but middle they, class is still struggling. To certain not not really. They were just dumb. They were just dumb, naive parents. We would be middle class. Yeah. Aren't we, are. we struggling? <laughs> if someone came up to you tomorrow and said, hey, free vacation, here's all this money. That would be a very enticing thing, right? Because yeah. we are in a position where that could be very useful. <laughs> yeah, but not the cost. And of, I don't just mean not financially. Not the cost of my kids staying alone with someone like that. Uh, never yeah, happen. of course, but... I don't just mean financially also, I mean emotionally as well. Like he knew who to go for. Like we were saying before, yeah. some people are more vulnerable or susceptible to it. And I think that, again, it's very strategic. Like they know who to target. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, and then another clip 
And I think this will be the last clip. Um, and it's actually from a comedy special. <laughs> um, we actually watched it not too long ago. Yeah, I need to laugh. I'm all getting bummed out. I know. I figured I should throw something. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah, it's a very intense subject. A very depressing subject. Probably a subject that makes you very angry or makes people yeah. very angry in general, right? Like, it always makes me want to, like... I'm pissed. Like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, Yeah, so. like, go out there and just, like, vigilante justice, like, <laughs> murder people. But, um... Yeah, so this clip is from, so it's the Chappelle skit on Netflix, which is, I believe it's called Sticks and Stones. It is Dave Chappelle, and he's doing a comedy routine a stand or of comedy um, in front of a, an audience, right? But yeah, it is on Netflix if you want to watch it. So let's go to the clip. I'm going to say something that I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> but I got to be real. Uh, I don't believe these motherfuckers. <laughs> I do not believe them. But let me qualify the statement. I, I am what's known on the streets as a victim blamer. <laughs> you know what I mean? If somebody come up to me like, Dave, Dave, Chris Brown just beat up Rihanna. I'll be like, well, what did she do? <laughs> Dang, Michael Jackson was molesting children. Well, what were those kids wearing at the time? <laughs> I don't think he did it. But you know what? Even if he did do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> I mean, it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> I know more than half the people in this room have been molested in their lives. <laughs> but it wasn't no goddamn Michael Jackson, was it? So that's a clip from E.T. Canada. And they're like talking about it or whatever but um yeah so admittedly i did find his <laughs> stand-up or that very funny right like, yeah i did laugh and everything i did think it was funny but it's also awful right well, yeah <laughs> it's yeah but i think that maybe that's part of his sense of humor you know like well, i think anyone. he knows that it's like that's any that's terrible like, yeah that's but... not like, well he 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 i think he does he doesn't believe michael jackson did it like yeah yeah i get that part but like all of the other stuff i think he well, knows yeah. how terrible that is or how terrible it sounds and that's part of what makes it funny yeah because it's very it's edgy but it's like it is funny the way you the way you handle it, the way he handles it at least yeah and i don't know like obviously it's not right or he shouldn't be justifying Michael Jackson's behavior <laughs> just by the fact that, like, he's famous. So it's like, oh, well, you just got molested by your uncle. Like, over here, this guy got molested by Michael Jackson, yeah. right? Um, like, obviously, that's not an excuse. But I think that's 
part of what makes it funny. I think yeah, well, yeah, that's I think it's part of his stand up. Yeah, I like that's he part probably, of his style. He doesn't believe that probably. I guarantee he doesn't believe that, but yeah, it's just a joke. But I also felt like maybe I don't know if he did this on purpose, right? But I also feel like it's kind of drawing attention to, like, the fact that those people are receiving way more attention like the people that were sexually abused by Michael Jackson get like all of this attention and then the rest of us quote unquote right just get I think he goes on to say like um awkward dinners or like awkward dinners around the table or something like that yeah right because it is I think it is more common for a sexual abuser to either be family or to like like for the the person being abused to already know the sexual abuser right like that's pretty common so it could be like a common scenario where it is someone that's sitting at your dinner table that is doing these horrible things to you but those people don't get the attention right they don't get this whole documentary like exposing this person and like where they get to talk about their experience and have that kind of closure by everyone knowing what happened to them right but because it was michael jackson those people do get all of that yeah but maybe it also helps them like i don't know realize seeing a documentary like that yeah yeah like like that's just kind of a point that i saw from what he said i don't know if he was trying to make that point but it it was kind of something like a theme i guess that i saw play through what he was saying i don't think so he because he would have more elaborate more on that i think it's just a joke i think well obviously they were all jokes well yeah <laughs> but i think i i don't know who knows? It's it is Dave Chappelle, so he can. He always has like some underlying message usually. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, these other people should get that attention. It's also almost like these kids get. I don't know. I don't know what to call it because obviously it's it's horrible either way. But it's almost like like benefits or perks, right? Because it was Michael Jackson, so they got to like be in entertainment things or they got to go on vacations with him they got to stay at neverland ranch they got to like experience all of these things that they otherwise would not have experienced and unfortunately right including the sexual abuse but normal people or the average person would pretty much just be experiencing the sexual abuse what does that have to do with I just felt like that was something, like, that he was kind of pointing out. And, like, I do get that, right? Like, like I understand that that was kind of a point that he was trying to make. Like, I get that. I see that, right? And that sucks for those people that, <laughs> like, are just the average person, I guess. But I don't feel like that should be held against the people that were abused by Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just because they got well, to experience no. all these other things. No, it's not. Uh, yeah. And just because they're being given the op- given the opportunity to speak out about it isn't, like, 
like that shouldn't be held against them just because no, that's something that that they're able to do. And like you said, I think it is good because it is raising awareness on the subject and it is hopefully providing that example for other people that have been abused to speak up about it and to like confront these feelings and try to move forward from those experiences instead of like suppressing them or not telling anyone and just kind of living with it or whatever. But yeah, so that was just kind of like, like I said, I did think it was funny, (laughs) right? Like I like Dave Chappelle, but it's also kind of things like that where it sort of like just points it out, I guess. Points what out? Like how people think about that subject, I guess. Yeah, I, um, no, I don't know. And it Do is people very... take it lightly? I don't know if people take it lightly. I think most don't. I'm not saying they take it lightly necessarily. I'm saying it's like a very biased lens that they're looking at it through. What do you mean? Like, Well, probably Dave Chappelle is like a Michael Jackson fan and doesn't believe that he could have ever done anything like this. It's, it's more than that. It's It's just a lot of... Um, they owe, like, there's, they're like, what is it? Like cops are known for trying to just get like screwing over a lot of successful black people. So that's where that comes from. And he just, he's, but it's not the cops speaking out about this or people in general. I don't know. It's just like the justice system in general. Like, it's just like they could, yeah, but for it's all not the you know, justice system in this. like, but that, but that's like, they, for, you know, they could be just doing it to get money. People do a lot, make up a lot of things to get money. So. Yeah, but you could be saying that about all of R. Kelly's accusers, too. No, R. Kelly, there's a lot of proof with R. Kelly. Like, there's a lot of proof. I guess. That's the difference. Even he says, yeah, R. Kelly probably did that shit, you know? But there's some proof for Michael Jackson, too. Like, it's, other witnesses that, like, worked there and say that they saw stuff or, like... I don't know, like, even just the fact that, like, hey, come sleep over with me alone in my house. Like, that's freaking weird. It's weird, but there's not a lot of solid evidence. Or, like, those messages, like, Like I said, it's weird. It's a lot of weird stuff. You're like, okay, yeah, he did it, but I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I still think it's a very biased lens that he's looking through because he said even if it is true, like, eh, like, who cares? You get me? Like... Yeah. Why would you not care whether this person was sexually abusing children for like years and died without having to like be punished for it or whatever? I don't know. He that could be part of his joke routine too. We don't know. Yeah. So. But yeah. Anyways, I. I Brought it up because I feel like a lot of people felt that way. And then there was like a lot of stuff on the internet where it was like, well, he's dead. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah. we're not supposed to care just because the guy is mm-hmm. dead now. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't all just go away just because he died. Or yeah. like, it shouldn't be like, eh, who cares just because he's dead. 
or just because he's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so I just kind of wanted to point that out. But with all of that said, you kind of have to sort out through everything. Like, like for me, it was kind of like, okay, well, how prevalent is this problem? Right. Like a lot of people, even with that Michael Jackson thing, it's like, oh, well, they're lying. They're making it up. Like, okay, well, it took them years to be able to come forward with that information, right? Like I think in some part in the documentary, he says something like, I want to like yell out the truth for as long as I had to yell out the lie or something like that, right? So it was like for a long time, they they lied about it and now they're they finally feel like they can come forward. So it's like, how many people really get abused? Like kind of what are the stats basically? And what's like fact from like urban legend or like myth or whatever. But um, I did find this article titled Child Sexual Abuse Facts and Resources from the Children's Assessment Center. And it's um, an organization from Texas. I believe, like the Houston area, I think. But I took a poll, and this has to do with the article. I took a poll asking people how prevalent they thought that child sexual abuse is, right? So, like, what do regular people think? Like, 30% of children are abused, 5% of children are abused. Like, what do they think about it, right? So I asked the question on our Instagram and it seemed like it was like five people or five, like most people got the answer right, but it was kind of split like 50-50 between like 30% and the correct answer, which was um, unknown number. Right. So either people think that it's pretty like a pretty prevalent problem at 30 percent or like the number is a no. Like we don't know how many people are sexually abused. Right. And in the U.S. anyways. But like I said, the real answer is that the number is unknown. And it says it in the article that I just mentioned. It says the real prevalence of child sexual abuse is not known because so many victims do not disclose or report their abuse. Researchers have suggested rates varying from 1% to 35%. Most professionals in the field of abuse use rates from 8% to 20%. So it kind of goes back to everyone saying that Michael Jackson didn't do it because all of these people, like, why are they coming forward now so many years later? But it's actually very, very common for that to happen. Yeah. Where they just hide it or they don't feel comfortable or they kind of learn to live with it as like a secret or whatever. And they don't ever come forward with that information until way later in their adult lives once they kind of look back at it. You know, and I think even in the documentary, it was like, like it wasn't until one of them had a kid. Right. And that kid was that same age that he was when he started being 
sexually abused by Michael Jackson that it kind of clicked for him where it was like, okay, that was not right. <laughs> what was going on between me and Michael Jackson, right? Yeah. So sometimes it takes something like that and it just takes time, I guess. But yeah, we don't know the real number because a lot of people don't come forward with that information. And then just a couple of other facts uh, from the article. It says, perpetrators report that they look for passive, quiet, troubled, lonely children from single parents or broken homes. So it kind of goes back to us talking about how Michael Jackson and R. Kelly as examples, right? But in general, predators or abusers look for a specific type of person. Yeah. Like someone that they think is vulnerable, someone that they think can be manipulated, manipulated yeah. someone that they think will keep their mouth shut or... That's any kind of predator in general. It's like they go for the... I guess, I don't know. I don't want to say it, but like weaker. Like when an animal hunts, you know, you know. I guess. Yeah, but in this case, it wouldn't be physically weaker, I guess. Quote yeah, unquote, weaker, like, yeah. emotionally or mentally. mentally, like some kind of emotional or mental weakness, I guess. Um, it also says while there is a risk for children of all ages, children are most vulnerable to abuse between the ages of seven and 13. So, pretty much, that would mean that. At the very least, you should start talking to your children about this before the age of seven. Yeah. Right? Since that's, I mean, I'm sure it happens younger and older than that, but that's like the, the average, I guess. So at the very least, you should be talking to your children about this subject before the age of seven, if not younger. Which takes us back to how do you talk to kids about this stuff, right? Like, what should you be doing to make sure that your child isn't going to be one of those What can you do to make sure that your child isn't going to be one of those that this predator picks, right? So I asked the question on Instagram, have you talked to your child about sexual abuse? 67% said yes and 33% said no. So it seems like most people are, but we don't know the ages here, right? So we don't know if they spoke to them after 7 or 13 yeah. years old, so... We don't know how effective, I guess, that would have been. Um, and then I also asked, did your parents ever talk to you about sexual abuse? 80% said yes and 20% said no. So at least it seems like the subject is being talked about. Talked about. Yeah. Um, but I think it is important to note the ages because I feel like a lot of people... Wait until they're older. Yeah, wait until they're older because they feel like younger kids... Understand, yeah. yeah, they won't understand or they're not even thinking about that or like 
like they wouldn't be in a situation where that happens or something like that, you know, because you're always with your kids or whatever. But I mean, at seven, they're going to school already. There could be like strangers and stuff. Um, also even just having like your uncle come to babysit or whatever, you know, like it could be anybody <laughs> at any age, at any point in time. So this article, it's called give your child a tool to recognize sexual abuse. And it's from parenting.nytimes.com. So it's from the New York times. And one of the things that it states is teach your children that their feelings matter and that they deserve respect. And I feel like that's something that we cover a lot in preschool. And it's like sometimes people think that it's like the the pansy way of teaching, right? Where you're always talking to them about their feelings and like, how do you feel today? Like, like when they start crying, like have them identify what feeling they're feeling and like tell them that it's okay for them to feel that way. And all of that stuff, right? And sometimes people think like, okay, well, if they're throwing a fit, you're just supposed to like discipline them and like tell them that they're wrong and blah, blah, blah. But part of the reason that you don't do that is so that they know that their feelings matter. Um, and it says here, um, it says being able to recognize our feelings is the first step in knowing when something doesn't feel right. So when you are in a situation like that and you're kind of unsure, but if, you, if you're not able to identify your feelings or if you don't feel like your feelings are valid, then you're not going to act on those feelings, right? Even if you feel like it might be a situation that you don't want to be in or that isn't right. So, yeah, it's important to talk to your kids about their feelings, make sure that they can identify their feelings, that... You're validating their feelings and then showing them that respect where it's like, not just like, yeah, you're feeling this, but your feelings matter. Um, it's important for you to act on those feelings, I guess, or like, like, don't just dismiss it, you know, like if they're not important. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing that it says is emphasize that children's bodies belong to them, which I feel like that's probably the thing that's more common for parents to talk to their kids about. Right. Like that's the talk that my mom had with me. It wasn't like identifying my feelings and stuff. It was just like your body is yours. Nobody should touch it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I feel like that's kind of the common one where everyone covers at some point, at least. But um, sometimes we have to cover it in preschool because kids start to get curious, right? So yeah. it's like they start trying to look like what's going on under there, right? <laughs> or like like trying to like kiss each other because they've seen mom and dad do it or they've seen a movie where adults have done it or whatever. So, yeah, usually I end up having to have a very brief version of that conversation with them. But I, I don't go too, like, detailed or anything because, obviously, like, I don't want to step on the parents' toes or anything. Or, like, yeah. feel... I don't want to make the parents feel like I'm crossing some kind of boundary. Yeah. yeah, so usually I, I keep it very, like, general and vague. <laughs> but, yeah, it does happen. But 
In the article, it says, communicate this concept to your kids as early as two years old. Which I would agree with because I get kids that are three and are already trying to like touch each other or watch each other as they go to the bathroom or like kiss each other on the lips or whatever, you know? So that makes sense to me. And also probably at two years old is when you're like having a babysitter for the weekend because you go on like date night or whatever, you know? Like once you kind of feel more comfortable leaving them with other people would probably be around two years old. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Another thing that it says is to, it says ask for permission to touch a child. I think that's like a really important thing to do. We do it a lot in the classroom, but also for when you're at home because I feel like a lot of parents don't do that it's just kind of like come here like let me fix this or whatever you know and there's no like boundary there for kids sometimes and I feel like it's important to give them the control over what happens to their own bodies so that when they are in a situation like that they feel like empowered to say no don't touch me, (laughs) you know? So usually, usually in preschool, we teach that just so that they can say that to like other peers and stuff. So usually we just do it as part of like social emotional development. So we teach them to say like, stop, I don't like that. Or um, like walk away or whatever. We give them choices. And usually you give choices so that they feel empowered and they feel like they have control over their own lives. <laughs> but in this case, it would be so that they feel like they have control over their own bodies. And they can say no if they don't want for something like that to happen. Like when that guy was talking about how Michael Jackson was like touching him and he like flinched or whatever and he didn't like it, but Michael Jackson did it anyway, right? And it's like in that situation, he could have like moved away and been like stop like stop touching me (laughs) yeah right so it would be hopefully so that if your child is in that situation they they can do that but yeah um if you want more information on that you can look up the article again it's called uh, it's called give your child the tools to recognize sexual abuse and it's from parenting.nytimes.com it was published July 22nd of this year, so you should be able to find it pretty easily if you Google it. And then on that same article, it says to report an incident, call 1-800-252-5400 or 911. But I think that's specific to Texas. But if you do have some kind of issue or incident that you want to report there's a national hotline that's available 24 7 that's 1-800-4-A-CHILD or 1-800-422-4453 that pretty much wraps up this episode i know it was long i know it was intense and kind of a bummer but i do feel like that's something that's very important and yeah it's just something that we should all be talking to young people about And hopefully there is young people listening to this so that they can empower themselves if their parents are not empowering them in the subject. 
Yeah. Talk to your kids. Mm-hmm. No means no. Or even if you are a kid, right? If you are under 18, talk to your peers who might not be getting this information from somewhere else. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Next Friday, hopefully, we've been kind of falling behind. <laughs> we keep having like technical difficulties and stuff. But yeah, you can check us out on Spotify now and Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, we're on that. Now. As well as Castbox. We're still waiting to hear back from my heart radio, so fingers crossed. But yeah, also check us out on social media. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Or you can find us at our website, which is uh, on campuspodcast.com. Yes, on campuspodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.